Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Hi folks, Nathan Pierce here with Family Protection Ministries. It is Friday, June 2nd, and we have some updates on legislation as well as uh, I'm going to be talking briefly about a, a article put out by the Washington Post uh, relating to homeschooling. And uh, we'll be discussing that briefly here as well as in the next uh, couple of weeks, I'm sure. Um, but first, we're going to get into some legislation. Uh, initially, I just want to give updates on some of the bills that we've talked about in the past. I'm going to be addressing very briefly um, AB uh, 249, uh, 659, 816, 665. Those are bills that we've talked about recently. Um, and then get into uh, 407 and 1056. That's SB 407 and AB 1056 a little bit more. So um, just for some quick updates, I wanted to let you know that uh, AB 249, that's that bill that deals with uh, safe water in water pipes in schools. And uh, it would have originally included language that would have required government officials to investigate and to do um, testing at all schools, including uh, private homeschools. And that bill was amended. We got some wording in there that excludes um, uh, homeschooling and private, actually all private schools. So we're really thankful for that wording. That The reason I'm giving you an update on it is because we continue to watch that bill as it goes through the legislative process, maintaining that language in it. And we want to just make sure that it stays the way that it um, was amended with our wording. And so AB 249 is continuing through the process right now. It has moved out of the assembly. It's in the Senate. It's sitting on the assembly um, in the, in the um, Committee on Rules, which in the process of legislation, the bills, once they uh, are introduced in a house, in this case, it's the second house, so it's already been through the assembly. Now it's in the Senate. It has to go through a process of uh, getting assigned to committees. So this particular bill, AB 249, is right now sitting in the Rules Committee where it, it gets assigned to committees. So the Rules Committee, one of their jobs is to assign bills to committees uh, before those bills get to a floor vote. And so in this case, it's the Senate Rules Committee, um, AB 249. The um, the bill that is um, waiting there is is going to be assigned to a policy committee, potentially a uh, a appropriations committee, probably because it costs money, and so we're waiting for it to get um, assigned to a committee, and then it will go through the committee process where it may be amended or at least reviewed before it goes to a vote in that committee, and then uh, get to the next uh, committee where it would be voted on perhaps in the uh, Appropriations Committee before going to the Senate floor and being voted on by all the senators and then uh, perhaps going directly to the governor if it passes. So um, 
that bill's waiting for that, and we have a couple of other bills uh, waiting for their committee assignments. Um, 659, AB 659, which is the HPV vaccine mandate bill, that bill is also sitting in the Senate Rules Committee waiting for its committee assignments. It's likely that it will be assigned to the Committee on Health or perhaps Education. It's hard to say um, because sometimes what you would expect to happen doesn't happen. Uh, so we're watching that as well. Uh, that bill does contain some amendment language in it, um, but it continues to be a bill that is of concern for parental rights. And um, it's, it's something that's a, a dangerous direction. So that's 659. It's also in Senate rules waiting for committee assignments. Um, the next bill, 816 right now, has been assigned a committee in the Senate. So AB 816 is the uh, bill relating to um, minors um, giving consent to medical care. They would be able um, to, um, the, this, this bill is in the Senate Judiciary. It's been referred. And so that means that the Rules Committee already gave its assignment. And so it's sitting in Senate Judiciary waiting for its committee hearing. And um, so it's a good time to make a phone call on that bill, AB 816. You would be uh, wanting to call your state senator or um, the Senate Judiciary Committee or the members of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, next is AB 665, and AB 665 is um, Minors Consent to Mental Health Services. That's also in Senate Judiciary. It's been assigned to Senate Judiciary, has not gotten its hearing yet, so it's waiting for that. So those are the bills, uh, 659, 816, and 665 are bills that I addressed last week in uh, a little more detail, but uh, this week... Um, I also want to go into a little more detail on uh, SB 407 and AB 1057. Uh, AB uh, 1057 is that home visiting program bill where it's a voluntary program, but we know that this type of idea has been proposed uh, with a mandate together with it in the past, but also it's not that hard to transition a program from voluntary to mandatory. And um, this is one of those areas where we've talked about before that um, home visits and, and helping parents get started with uh, parenting is not really a role of government. If we go back and you can look at our um, explanation of the roles of different governments, there's the civil government, the family government, the church government. These are, are areas of government that are clearly laid out and if practiced um, practically in that appropriate manner, the, the duties of these different arenas split up very neatly and nicely and things work better. And uh, when we sort of go out of, out of those bounds, uh, having one type of government, civil, uh, civil government usurp its perimeters and just um, uh, go over the uh, authority of the family and take over what is rightfully due the family or perhaps take over the role of the church and take over what is the appropriate role of leadership in the church, then you have all kinds of problems. And in this particular case, AB 1057 is 
kind of impeding into both of those different arenas, the church and the family, because it is saying government has a responsibility to help parents learn to parent. So this bill provides social workers to go to the homes of people that have a new baby so that they can help them learn how to be good parents. Now, there's nothing wrong with people helping other people be good parents, but it's not the role of government to direct that. And it's certainly not the role of government to enforce that the government be the one sending somebody that tells parents how to parent. And so 1057 is a dangerous direction for our state to be going, and it's an immediate uh, violation of the jurisdictions of governments, but it's also a threat to parental rights and to the authority of the church in helping families and supporting families. It's also a threat to just our natural sense of community where we have neighbors and other family that help a new family, uh, new parents to uh, get their feet on the ground when they have a new baby at home. Um, a lot of us can can remember or can imagine a new baby being brought home to a family and 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 participation in helping that family uh, get on their feet with a new baby is something that we can do as a community. Uh, many people uh, like to uh, participate in helping a family like that by bringing a meal or maybe, um, delivering some other uh, goods that might be helpful to them as a family. Maybe supporting them by answering questions if they have questions about um, parenting in general, taking care of a new baby, taking care of mom, how to get sleep at night or sleep during the day. You know, sleep is one of those issues that's kind of important, especially uh, have a lot of questions about that with new babies. But these are things that shouldn't be taken over by the government. The government does not have a place, a position, the authority to go in and say, here, this is our job. We are going to do this. We're going to help you with this. And um, so we need to be very wary and push back at these ideas when the government proposes that it is their role to put themselves into a family's home to help them get started with their family. And we need to also, while we do that, while we push back at those things, we need to make sure that we're also engaged and involved in being part of that community that should be the appropriate source of that support and help for those new families. So remember both of those things. Remember that the community is where it should be happening, and so we need to be involved in that. But also remember that it is not the government's responsibility, so we need to be pushing back at proposals that would say and put into our laws that it is the government's responsibility and role to be the ones that do these home visits, that do these uh, parenting, helping, uh, getting started type things. And, and that's not the government's role, so we need to be pushing back on that. So that's AB 1057. And that bill <clears throat> currently is sitting in the Senate Rules Committee also waiting for its committee assignments. So then um, let's look at uh, SB 407 next. SB 407, as you know, is um, deals with uh, foster care and resource families. 
and deals with uh, what they would have to commit to in order to continue to or to begin to be a foster family or resource family. These um, new requirements in 407 have to do with um, gender identity, affirming gender identity, um, transgenderism, uh, sexual identity. These issues would are, are things that a family that wants to be a support to foster families or to be a foster family would have to sign a document saying, I will support my foster child in whatever they want to do or wh- however they identify themselves. And this is a dangerous thing from a couple of perspectives. And we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but it it's it's an immediate threat to foster families. It's an immediate threat to foster parents and to the children because it inhibits a parent's ability to give counsel and advice and help to a foster child. It also limits who can be a foster parent and foster child, uh, who who can be a a home for these foster children. Um, It limits... um, these parents because those that have uh, beliefs about these kinds of things and don't want to sign this document, then they can't be a help to foster children. And so it's going to severely cut down on the number of families that are able to participate in the foster care system. It's really not a good thing for the foster system, and it's not a good thing for these foster children. And so it's going to be limiting who can participate in the system, which is going to cut down unavailable families, which is going to limit how many kids are going to be able to be placed in foster homes, which uh, foster families, which is going to uh, cause a backup in our in our government system and leave more kids without a family. The other, another element to this bill, in looking longer term, is that this policy of saying you have to believe this way in order for you to be allowed to do this thing is dangerous by itself. And it's dangerous from a lot of different uh, perspectives. But think about just the idea that the government would be telling you how to believe about something in order for you to be a foster parent. And it's not that far of a... um, this, This bill only is limited to foster parents at this time. But Um, It could easily be extended to parents wanting to adopt a child. And beyond that, it could be imposed on all families in California if they have children. So it's it's kind of a scary trajectory. If you adopt this kind of policy in our state, it's a dangerous and scary trajectory to see where this is taking us. And we do not want to see that happening to our families to um, to our government in California to have a government that says, no, you have to believe the way we believe. And if you don't, then we're going to take away, uh, we're going to take away from you the things that, that you do in life, whether it's serving children, whether it's having children in your home to take care of them. Um, we're going to start taking things away from you if you don't believe the way we tell you to. So that's uh, a really dangerous threat. Now, how does this link to homeschooling? Well, first of all, it's it's a bad bill aside from homeschooling. Uh, that's, that's the first point. But how does it relate to homeschooling? 
Well, let's take a step back and look at 1057 and 407 together. 1057 is the home visits bill, and, and 407 is the foster care um, gender affirming bill for foster parents. Now, if we look at those two together and we see government telling us what to believe and government saying we can come into your home, we, we see that this directly is going to, um, if those things sort of intersect, that intersects in our home with our beliefs. And this is the very foundation of our ability to homeschool is parents choosing for their children and parents making decisions and teaching their children and parents getting help from who they want to get help from based on what they believe to be right and best for their family. And if government strips all of those things away by saying you have to believe what we believe and we can come into your home, that impacts homeschooling very directly. And so we need to oppose these things that move in that direction. So um, definitely um, we need to be opposing SB 407 and AB 1056. Um, these bills are... Um, so 1057, AB 1057 is the home visiting bill, and it's sitting in the Senate Rules Committee waiting for a committee assignment. 407, Senate Bill 407 is um, has been referred to the Committee on Human Services, and it's in the Senate. Uh, sorry, it's in the um, Assembly now because it's passed out of the Senate. So it's in the Assembly, and um, it's been assigned to a committee. So... Um, we definitely need to step up our um, opposition to these two bills, particularly 407, because it's moving a little bit further ahead uh, than the other. Um, so be in prayer for these bills and also um, be sure to, to make phone calls to your uh, legislators uh, appropriately. And we'll be definitely um, giving you information on how to do that on these two bills. So um, next... I want to briefly address some issues with a Washington Post article that came out this week dealing with uh, Christian homeschooling. And there's a lot of issues with this article. You may have heard of it already. The The first article, and, and there's supposed to be um, future articles to this as well, so I'm not going to be addressing everything certainly today on this article. But um, as we look at some of the things that have been uh, said about homeschooling over the past a number of years. We've seen a lot of antagonism, a lot of um, people defending public schools and saying that homeschools, homeschooling parents are, are attacking public schools and um, they're um, not doing well academically or whatever. There's all kinds of different attacks on the homeschool community in, in the media. And this, this, um, particular article, there's not really anything new about what's in here. It's, um, it's sound, it, it reminds me of some other articles that we have seen, though. Um, if you recall, back in 2019, Elizabeth Bartholet published an article in um, a law review journal uh, with the basic premise. Uh, it was very long. I believe it was about 80 pages long, this law review article that she wrote. And uh, Elizabeth Bartholet is a law professor at Harvard. Um, and she basically said that homeschooling 
um, there should be a presumptive ban on homeschooling and parents should have to to um, apply if they're going to be um, homeschooling. Um, and the government should be the authority ultimately over who is allowed to do that. So, um, and, there, and there were a lot of um, uh, really baseless accusations in that article and there's been much written um, to respond to that, including a whole book put out by Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which I would encourage you to take a look at. But ultimately, this article by the Washington Post, The Revolt of the Christian Homeschoolers, is the first, um, uh, the first uh, article in a series, apparently, on, on homeschooling. It uh, bills itself as a, uh, something that's a report on facts, but um, it's, it's concerning because there's, there is a lot of opinion in this article, and um, it it kind of goes all over the place with its arguments about uh, about homeschooling. There's a couple of points. I'm not going to go into everything on this, obviously, today, but um, it is a lengthy article, and uh, you certainly can can go take a look at it for yourself. But I would I would make two points initially. One is there is a lot of mixing of different issues in this article, and what I mean by that is that when you look at some of the accusations that people make about homeschooling, um, think about the, the Turpin family case back in 2018 here in California that triggered some homeschool legislation. And you, you, you see that this, this family was not really homeschooling, but they used homeschooling as, a, as sort of a, um, a, a word to explain how they were homeschooling, how they were educating their children, but they really weren't. Um, so they were they were violating existing law in, in the education of their children. Uh, so they weren't following homeschool law in California, um, which is actually private school law. And, um, but the issues that uh, were actually dealt with from a legal standpoint in this family were not education issues. The issues that were actually dealt with were, um, were other issues that got mixed in with and discussed alongside of homeschooling. And they were abuse issues. They were social services issues that, that there's current laws already on the books in California. And there's a government agency uh, that is already tasked with the responsibility of dealing with violations of the law in this particular area. And so that, that, situation with that family back in 2018 uh, spurred on some some new legislation that had to do with homeschooling but would never have addressed the actual problem that was in um, going on with this family and so when you look at <clears throat> when you look at this new uh, Washington Post article uh, there's a lot of this same idea of mixing issues together and saying oh because this particular family believed a certain way, did a certain thing, but also happened to homeschool, they mix all these things together and and make broad assumptions and broad accusations about the homeschool community based on a few uh, situations. And, um, and as there is actually even a, a, a reference in here, there's a quote to, in the article um, by Michael Ferris saying, this is the fringe of the fringe. I, th I thought that was a really good way that he put put that. Um, 
he specifically said, I view this as a, as the fringe of the fringe. And, um, I think that helps us to understand that this isn't, this isn't a, a common kind of an issue when you, when you point the finger at a homeschool family and, uh, say that they, they, they did this wrong and they did this wrong. And maybe, um, because they did those things wrong, that all homeschool families are probably also, uh, guilty because um, this one family did that, um, then they should also, everybody else that that views themselves as a homeschooler should be labeled the same way. Well, that's, that's not right. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fallacy, but it's also just wrong to, to make, that, um, make that assumption and to accuse, falsely accuse other people because of what one person did. Um, the other thing I, I noticed that I wanted to mention too briefly is that uh, there's a bit of applauding parental rights in this article in one sense. Uh, there's applauding of the right of parents to choose to put their kids in public school, but there's an attack on references to parental rights when parents choose private or choose homeschooling. And so it's kind of funny that uh, there's kind of a little bit of a a wishy-washiness to uh, the the uh, the position on parental rights because on one hand it's attacked and set and um, parental rights is looked at as a bad thing because people use it as an excuse to homeschool and then on the other hand it's used looked at as a good thing because parents use parental rights to choose something that this author agrees with so it's it's um it, it's uh, it's interesting how these things can come about when we look at, at articles like this and see how um, people are kind of trying to tr- trash homeschooling, but um, it's it's something we need to work on uh, responding to um, in time. But uh, I just wanted you to know that it's out there. Uh, these attacks are still being made, and we need to engage and be involved in these things. I would encourage you to take a look at that and see how you can respond perhaps with a a letter to the editor of your local newspaper, if not a letter to the editor of the Washington Post. So um, that's it uh, for today, and I hope you have a great weekend, and thanks so much for joining us again today. Hopefully you will be able to take some action on these uh, bills as they move forward in the legislature. We uh, pray that they will stop soon and that um, we will have more victories in the coming weeks. So thanks again for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.